Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is by him that we live, move, and have our being. Forgive us of our sins, sanctify us, place the preacher behind the cross, crucify him afresh, convict, convince, if need be convert. Meet us in your word, change our minds, change our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, say amen. Church, say amen again. Hallelujah. My God. We first and foremost give honor to our Lord and precious, preeminent, powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then to our co-laborers in the pulpit, officers, members, and to our own awesome, awesome choir. Church, say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You better have a song in the night. Jeremiah talks about a song in the night. And I love these oldies but goodies. I wore my Love Alive tape out in, in the 70s. Amen. When I was uh, struggling with the saved life, struggling in sin, I would pop that thing in my car and just cry as I was driving up the street. Isn't that right? Just, Lord is good. Amen. This morning, we're going to begin a new mini-series on the subject of <clears throat> attitudes. Yeah. I know you don't have any attitudes, but my subject is a subtle slavery. A subtle slavery, and um, the premise for this line of preaching will come out of James 4.1 from whence cometh these wars? Hmm. Where is all this hell coming from? Is it not coming from within you? And James is talking about indwelling sin. My text is Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And I want to read verse 10 and 11 and then we'll Continue on. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. 
And they said unto Moses, because, don't miss this, there were no graves in Egypt. Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Every external outcome of man comes from an internal operation within man. Every response that we give comes from a root that is hidden. And all of our wars, don't miss this, emanate from our inner wounds, attitudes, that are lodged in the life of Christians are only changed when we, under the power of the Holy Spirit, bring crucifixion to that area. And as we review attitudes for the next few weeks, and I, I, I just think this study is inexhaustible, we want to look at the root. Not what you show at work, not what slips out every now and then. We want to look at the root of the problem. We want to look at the characteristics that come out of the control mechanism. And the attitude I'm dealing with today and trust me, your pastor struggles at times with this very attitude. The attitude I'm dealing with today can come off as a form of personal opinion, a plea for an outcry a public observation, or even, amen, a practical outlet. The sin, the sinful attitude that I'm dealing with today is that of complaining, grumbling, sarcasm, all of which come from a control center of bondage. And if ever there was a bondage of one's behaviors here in Exodus 14, I want to explain the context. Here in Exodus chapter 14, the Red Sea crossing of Israel is mentioned. And I need to say this, the opening up of the Red Sea for some was a blessing, for others it was a bondage. 
It was a blessing for those who believed, who trusted God, and yeah, who were thankful, who continued with steadfastness and confidence in God, but it was a bondage for those who balked at God's directions, directives, decisions, director, and his diets. They complained, they cried, they criticized, they consciously wanted to return to Egypt. And, 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 and if we, amen, look at this biblically and strategically, we'll find out that this mixed multitude had mixed, yeah, perceptions as to what God was allowing in their lives. It is, it is here in this context, and I want to cite a very valuable book by James McDonald and Barb Peel in which major excerpts of my sermons will be coming from and formulated by this particular book Listen to this book, Lord, Change My Attitude. I was in Tennessee at a board meeting, and I walked in a Christian bookstore and was browsing, and I picked this book up, and I was challenged to change. Challenged to change my thinking about complaining. When we complain, we judge God's care, comfort, and character. When we complain, it was said of Job, and all of this, Job did not charge God foolishly. I know all of us complain. We complain about the weather, we complain about our children, we complain about our marriages, we complain about our money, we complain about our work, our bosses, we complain about politics, we complain. And I'm not suggesting that you ought never complain. But I am suggesting that we need to study where all of this complaining is really coming from. I was reading some material I want to share with you before we dive into this text. This too was revolutionary and um, blew me away. Don't ever make your emotions the engine of your train. Your train will crash. Your emotions ought to be the caboose. The last car 
on a train. Too many people are making decisions on their emotions, ignoring God's wisdom, word, will, and way, ignoring obvious stop signs that are flashing in front of you. They're using their emotions, Bruce. But this is the way I feel about this person. And those emotions should be the caboose. That after that person passed all these other tests, the caboose ought to be your emotions, not the engine. You can get quiet all you want. That's why some of us have wrecked our trains. Because we place emotion as the engine and not the caboose. I'll come back to that. I want to bring out three things that are in the text right here in front of you, not making anything up. Regarding complaining. Complaining is reflective of a wounded spirit. Now let me talk about wounded spirits. Wounded spirits are people who have been plummeted by historical hurts. They have a negative control operation deep within them, which causes a root level reaction to contrary circumstances. Our stuff does not come out in the norm of life. It's when heat is applied. Yeah. It's when difficulty surrounds us. It's when we feel suffocated, yeah, separated, and sometimes annihilated by situations in our lives that it starts to drive the control mechanism to complaint. And, 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 and it's interesting because this spirit of complaining, amen, this outlook from a defective inlook, and, I, 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 and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to go into psychiatry, psychology, or even counseling. This is just obvious 101 wisdom of the Bible that many times how I see things outwardly is predicated on what I feel inwardly. So if I feel insecure, insufficient, low self-esteem, ugly, not, not uh, being liked by anybody, that becomes my, amen, perception of how I see everything and how I see everybody. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and transform these areas into Christ-likeness. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and so, child of God, if we're going to change under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we, we need to understand that all of us at the root have control mechanisms 
that are unhealthy. Can I get a witness? Can you say amen to that? Can you speak for yourself and say amen? I have, I have an unhealthy control mechanism that, listen, causes me to complain when I should be thankful. I'm a victim. I got venom on the inside. Can I get a witness? Amen. And I've been like this all my life. Thank you, Jesus. In this text, in chapter 12, Israel, and you, you don't really have to turn back. You can if you want to. We should have read this according to our bulletins, but in chapter 12, Israel, under God's instruction, is practicing the Passover. What is the Passover? It's when God told Moses, tell all of Israel to kill an unblemished lamb, and you're going to eat this lamb, but you're going to pour the blood and put it on the doorpost and the lintel of each door, close the door, and don't come out at night. Because at midnight, the death angel will come through Egypt. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Lord, have mercy. Thank God for Jesus, who keeps passing over us because of the blood of Christ. So the death angel came through and all the firstborn would be killed, including Pharaoh's son. And then in chapter 13, verse 17, God led them through the wilderness. Hang in there with me now. He led them through the wilderness. God led them through the wilderness. And the wilderness here denotes both a place of learning and a place of liability. The learning comes as we believe, be still at God's command, when we be persuaded by God, and the liability takes place when we lose confidence, cry, complain, criticize God for our circumstances. And then we have the audacity before God to say we should have never left Egypt, a crippled past. That, that is, in chapter 14, verse 10, our text, I want you to see this, because as Pharaoh is chasing them, the first characteristic of a complaining spirit is fear. Hmm. Verse 10 says, and they were marching after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. <clears throat> then after fear, verse 11, they begin to have friction with Moses. Can I, can I, can I uh, you know, reading through these chapters, I saw something that I never saw before. You know the word of God is inexhaustible. Never saw it before. When God was talking to Moses about these people, here's what God told Moses. 
your people that you brought out of Egypt are a stiff-necked, stubborn people who are bent on evil. Now, now, just imagine that. Moses, these are your people <laughs> who you brought out of Egypt. I guess Moses is saying, I can't win. <laughs> and, 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 and when you look at verse 11, uh, they said, why are you dealt with us carrying us forth out of Egypt is not this the word, verse 12, that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone. We're in bondage, we're in slavery, we're being treated terribly, and you should have just left us alone. You see the deep root of bondage? Many people don't understand my objective here as pastor. It is not to be liked. I was liked in the world. My objective is to make disciples. To teach you the word of God and use integrity. And this goes for preachers counselors, this goes for ministry leaders. Our objective is never to build bridges from people to us. Our objective is to build bridges from people to Jesus. I'm preaching now, Doc. You don't need to call me when you're having a problem. I need to teach you how to call Jesus. Can I get a witness? You, you don't, I don't, I don't need you in my dial-up uh, uh, recent and famous and all that. I don't need that. What I need, when you get in trouble, I need to teach you how to fish so you can fish for yourself. I don't need to keep fishing for you and giving you fish. Are y'all getting this today? Integrity says that a godly pastor, a godly minister, a godly counselor, their objective is to help you cross that threshold without including you in the process. That's manipulation, that's prostitution. You have a problem, call me. Who the heck are you? What are you going to do when all hell break out in your life and they calling you. Y'all get quiet all you want. This time it's got true. And see, this was wrong with the church. Put the pulpit to the door. You got ministers out here collecting phone numbers. Well, baby, you know, just call me if you're having a problem. Why? We build bridges to Jesus. It doesn't mean I can't pray with you. It doesn't mean I can't help counsel you. It means he's Lord. He's Savior. He's Master. Yeah. 
in this text, in this text, in this text. Complaining is reflective of a wounded spirit. Now, 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 now when we start talking about wounded spirits, and we got some wounded spirits now. We got some wounded spirits because we're going to deal with, and I'm, I'm going to give you a preview. We're going to be dealing with, uh, uh, yeah, not only this sin of complaining, we're going to deal with covetousness. Critical spirits. People who are critical all the time, they lack love. That's why you're critical. People who are covetousness are greedy. You got a spirit of greed. People with doubting spirits function on their feelings, not their faith. And people with rebellious spirits practice witchcraft. That, 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 that when we begin to look at this matter of a wounded spirit, and, and I know that in some ways I'm wounded. You're wounded. And what begins to happen is within our wounds, yeah, in our insecurities, in our insufficiencies, in those areas that we don't talk about, those areas we don't brag about, those areas some of us don't even know about, we, we, have, we have things deep down on the inside from our pre-saved days, from birth, from experiences, from exposures that have damaged us. And what comes out is nothing more than the negativity of complaining about everything. Everything. I'm so tired of this cold weather. Well, God bless you. March is almost here. Then when it's 97 degrees in the shade, oh, Lord, I, I can't wipe the sweat off. You, 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 you hear me. I had, I had people come to me and say, I, uh, Pastor, I've been with you for years, but I got to go. The Lord leave me. I, I don't like a large church with a lot of people. We'll be praying for you. Then they, go, then they go to a small church and start complaining. So it wasn't the size of the church. It was the size of your control. Are you getting this? I, 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 I got to move on. St. Matthew's, you know, good church, great, great word, but they just got too much structure. I need a free flowing ministry. So when church supposed to start at 11 o'clock and you don't get started to one and you got 15 people up there making announcements you don't get out the four then they want to come back. Can I get a witness? 
what, what, what am I saying? No matter what we do, somebody is going to complain. I say to the church, listen, this day is coming up. Let, let us all dress down on Sunday. I ain't dressing down. He don't, he don't be telling me what to wear. <laughs> Woo! I, I just start laughing. I don't fool with them. They're crazy. All I did was make a suggestion. I didn't say, Wayne Jones, you've got to wear jeans next Sunday. I said, if you'd like to, just dress down. You know. And, 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 and so you understand... When I'm wounded inside, Lord have mercy, I'm going to fuss and complain about everything. Everything. Wounded, wounded. They were wounded in their spirit. And that's why some of these marriages can't be healed. Now, no, no, yeah, we, we can say Lord all we want, but the, the, re, the, reason, the reason these marriages can't be healed is because we won't take onus for our wounds. We, we, we will not, in honesty, even question, maybe, the problem is me. We ain't even going there. He was crazy when I married him. He's still crazy. See, see, child of God, I'm getting off this point, this, this thing about this wounded spirit. See, as I get older, I'm starting to accept. Here's that, here's that, here's that sermon on acceptance. I'm starting to accept the things I cannot change. There's some things, amen, I, I don't care how good I see myself, how nice I see myself, I got some issues. I got some real junk on the inside. Are you praying with me? And, and, ch and child of God, let me look at the clock, that it's not until we start taking on this and stop being in denial. Everybody else is not the problem. Just maybe, just maybe. Just maybe. It's you. I couldn't, I couldn't analyze all this growing up. Because in the 50s, you was under rules. We ain't had too much relationship. And I love that time, but, and we ought to have a relationship and rules. Isn't that right? But our parents never asked us for our opinion. Never. Never. Everything was set in motion, Bruce. Sunday night. It was Ed Sullivan. There was no talk about what we going to watch on TV. Saturday night, it was Lawrence Walk with all them bubbles. 
You sat there and you just seen these bubbles. You just watched it. Now, I don't know if that was good or bad, but maybe that, maybe that messed us up. <laughs> oh, Lord. Heckle and Jekyll. Bat Masterson, Highway Patrol. Y'all ain't getting this. So many things were determined for us, maybe we could even come in contact with our wounds. And if you try to change it, you got wounded. <laughs> I'll knock you 20 years into the future. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Mm. Let me tell you what comes out of a wounded spirit that causes us to complain real quick, a misreading of circumstances, that God was leading them and they did not understand why God was leading them the way he was leading them. A, a misplaced anger. They blame Moses for what God was doing. Let me stop, pause, and park on displaced and misplaced anger. The ones you keep being angry at are not the real ones who hurt you. The ones you hold hostage are not the ones that really hurt you. Oh, this is deep. Husband takes it out on wife, wife takes it out on husband. We're we getting some deliverance up in here, dog. And, and listen, the la hold, hold it. The last time that boy shouted that loud, that boy had a joint in his hand. That, that boy ain't shouted that loud that long. Look, look, you know, that's, that's, that's something over there, dog. You must be a controlling woman. Anyway... <laughs> We blame others. Don't we blame others? No, 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 no. Well, you know what? I would have been in college one for my third grade teacher. <laughs> have you ever sat down and talked to somebody about their life and say, well, you know, can you explain? You, I mean, you hear all kinds of stuff because what happens with the wounded spirit? They misread the circumstances. There's displaced anger. There's a misfortune in their future. They complain about they did not have a, listen, they did not have a good and free, amen, life to make the right decisions. That's the wounded spirit. Every time it's a wounded spirit. I pick, I pick it up a mile away. Well, you know, I, I would like to serve, but um, now, now watch this one. I would love to serve in the church, but the Lord didn't tell me to serve. Come on, 
You know why I'm the way I am? Don't answer. Because you're crazy. You need help. You need transformation. You need Jesus to step in and take you off the throne, put himself on the throne, crucify your flesh and all your excuses and be Lord of your life. Do I have a witness up in the house? Yeah, it's tight, but it's right. Child, 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 child of God, complaining is reflective of a wounded spirit, but secondly, complaining reduces us to wandering in the wilderness. Let me, let me, let me, let me throw this out at rapid fire. Complaining affects our attitudes. It affects my home life, my work life, and my church life. If you got an attitude, you can't turn it on and off when you want to. Your folk on your job know you got problems, and you keep talking about Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Um, honey, you took too much time at lunch. Lunch is only a half an hour. Praising. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Did they close Bob Berry? <laughs> Complaining not only affects our attitudes, it affects, uh-oh, our appreciations. We're discontented with God, we're discomfortable with ourselves, and we are divisive to others. Nobody wants to be near you. That's a horrible feeling when people want to speak and keep moving. Hmm. That's a horrible feeling when people perceive you as being a problem. Complaining affects our acknowledgments. Psalm 147.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why? Because every time I open my mouth, I tick somebody off. Mm. Complaining kills my confidences. Complaining makes me cold. Complaining crushes my submission to authority. Yeah, let's talk about that. Complaining can make you physically sick. Complaining. Complaining. Now, I want to I I show you something that's right here in the text. Every time Israel complained, God put them in the wilderness. Here's my second point. That every time you live by complaining, God's going to usher you into the wilderness. A place of testing, suffering, and hardship. Look, 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 if you will, at chapter 15, Exodus 15, real quick. 
In verse 1, Miriam leads this song, and she had a nerve to uh, uh, tell Moses who he thought he was. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this psalm. And look at the psalm in verse 1, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider, talking about Pharaoh, hath he thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's my salvation. He's my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, verse 3. The Lord is his name. Char Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. You think, after the Red Sea, all his praise, people didn't have a problem. But look at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel after the praise session, after the praise team sang, after the choir got finished singing, after the church shouted and danced, played the tambourine, Moses said, we need to move from the Red Sea, and they went out into the what? Wilderness of Shur! They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. See, a complaining spirit the only thing they need is to have a need that's not being met. And they start complaining all over again. Are you getting this? Let me, let me, let me, let me finish reading. And verse 23 says, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink because the waters were bitter. That's the name Marah. And the people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? Now they just got finished a praise session. Here they go complaining. God put them in the wilderness. Look at chapter 16, 1 to 7. Real quick, come on. 16, 1 to 7. I find this phenomenal. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the what? Wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month when they departed out of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel did what? Murmured. They don't like God's direction. Now, let me, let me, let me stop. Because as pastor, as, listen, and, 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 and I'm always going to try to tell you the truth. When God is leading me ways that I don't agree with, my tendency is to complain. Lord, I don't like this. I don't want this. Why did you have to do this? There's got to be another way. Can, can you put your hand up if you, if you thought that? Just thought it. Not said it, thought it. If you thought it, you said it. Now watch this. And, and the Bible says, amen, they, you know, they got hungry for bread and God sent them manna. Look at the 17th chapter, verse 1. And all the congregation of, Israel, of children of Israel journeyed from the what? Wilderness of sin came to Rephidim where there was no water. And verse 2, the people did shine with Moses. Here they go again. Wilderness complaining. Hold your finger there. Turn, turn, turn the numbers to your right. 
chapter 11. Real quick, Numbers chapter 11. We're almost finished. I, I, I just want you to see these. This is fascinating. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. And when the people, what? Complained. It displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and he sent a fire to burn them. Here's what I'm saying to you, that our complaining causes God to bring chastening. Challenge. Circumstances that make us cry. Are you getting this? See, pay attention to the W's. First of all, complaining is reflective of a wounded spirit. Now there's some things that we... we we, we have a right to complain about. Complaining, secondly, amen, is connected with the wilderness. And then my final point is, complaining is removed by a willful worship. Go back to Exodus 19, 1-6. I want you to see this. When God is giving the commandments to Moses, and as he's giving the commandments to Moses, he puts an emphasis on obedience. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 136, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for his good and his mercy endures forever. Now, grace is love we don't deserve. Every morning we get, get up, God's giving us love we don't deserve. But mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. It's not until you get to the point where you have an understanding that God has not rewarding us, rewarded us according to our sins, He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. Somebody said, mercy best suits my case. It's not till you understand the mercy of God that you can be merciful to others. You know why you can't be merciful to others? Because you don't have a concept of his mercy to you. Can I get a witness? I'm preaching up in this place that God, because God woke me up this morning, he said, you don't deserve to rise. In, in fact, you should be in hell, but I'm going to bring you up this morning out of my goodness and out of my mercy and out of my grace. I'm going to put a new song in your mouth. I'm, I'm going to put breath in your body. I'm going to put clothes on your back. I'm going to put money in your pocket. I'm going to put food on your table. Can I get a witness? I'm going to make sure your kids get up. I'm going to make sure, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to make sure that when things go wrong, that they're being worked out for your good and my glory. Can I get a witness? Oh, give thanks. That if we learn how to thank him, we'll stop complaining. If we ever learn how to really thank him, we'll stop murmuring. Can I get a witness? That, that's, why, that's why Paul said about gratitude in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus' concern. He didn't say, for everything, give thanks. 
Do I have 30 seconds to differentiate the two? God didn't tell me, give thanks because I took your mother out of here. Give thanks because I took your brother out of here. Give thanks because of this and because of that. God didn't say that. He said, no, I didn't ask you to thank me for the negative stuff that hurts you. But I asked you to thank me in the negative stuff that hurts you. Because when you thank me in it, you're telling me that I'm worthy to be praised. When you thank me in it, you're telling me I'm all wise. I'm an all wise God. When you thank me in it, you're telling me you're going to work it out. Can I get a witness? In everything, give thanks. Let me, let me, let me close on this note. Jesus healed 10 lepers. In Luke 17, don't turn. Only one leper came back to thank him. I'm talking about Thanksgiving. Look what Jesus said to the leper that came back. He said, did not I heal 10? And only one came back? Lord Jesus. Here's what he said to the one leper that came back. Rise! And go your way. For your faith have made you well. I thought 10 got healed. Yeah, that word well in the Greek is deep. The 10 came for physical healing. I healed all of them. But the one that came back and said, thank you, Lord. I healed him spiritually. I put him in the Lamb's book of life. I gave him eternal life. Can I get a witness? You ought to be grateful for what God has done. You ought to be grateful for what God is doing. You ought to be grateful for what God is going to do. Can I get a witness? And if we just learn to be grateful, that's why Andre Crouch song, he said, thank you for the mountains and thank you for the valleys and thank you for the storms that you took me through. If I never had a problem, I'd never know you could solve them. That's what faith in God would surely do. And then he said, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Say yeah in everything. Give thanks. Can I get a witness? So you got to replace complaining with thanks. So when things go wrong, instead of complaining, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hurting, but thank you. I'm, I'm messed up, but thank you. I don't have no money, but thank you. I'm going through hell, but thank you. I dare you to keep thanking him. And Jesus will show up. Won't he show up? Won't he heal you? Won't he help you? Won't he lift you up? I dare you to stop complaining and start thanking. Thank you for snatching me out of hell. Thank you 
for saving my soul. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for watching over my kids. Thank you. 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 Let's stand on our feet. Stand on your feet. Complaining is reflective of a wounded spirit. Complaining is connected with the wilderness. Complaining can be corrected by true worship. When you and I just learn to say, thank you. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're leading me. I don't know what's going on, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for every tear I shed. Thank you for every night I was hurt. Thank you when I wanted to die. Mary and Martha told Jesus when he came into Bethany, they rebuked Jesus. Lord, if you just had been here, my brother would not have died. Fear messed up. Jesus said, your brother will live again. We know he'll live in the generation. No, I am the resurrection. As every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved, truly saved. Born again, blood washed. Jesus Christ is God's son. God, the Son, and the Son of God. He died for all your sins, was buried, and rose again. You can receive him as Savior. If you want to be saved, just raise your hand. We have one this morning. Raise your hand. Jesus said, if you be ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. Is there one? Perhaps you want to join our church on your Christian experience. Raise your hand. Is there one? Is there one? You may be seated. Shh, we're still quiet. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we transfer into a most holy, a most holy moment, the Lord's Supper, a memorial. You